0: Christ, and I'll start reading from verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by waves, and blown here and there by every wind teaching and by every cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, and mature, in every respect the mature body of him, who is ahead, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work.
1: it's uh, been a wonderful morning already hasn't it for those of you I'm yet to meet my name's Drew I'm part of the leadership team here at Brookside and um, I feel like taking a moment um one of the things that Daryl our previous pastor um did was in did these where's Jesus moments in our gatherings you might remember people get up and talk about where Jesus at work and I just feel like there's been a a few wonderful highlights already, you know, having the Thring family bless us with the, uh, I was calling it during the week, the Thring family music bonanza. Um, it's been wonderful uh, to hear the, the story of Matt and, and um, the way his family is seeking to remain in Jesus. Um, you know, we've got, we've got Jim overseas in the Philippines serving with, with Word of Life. And uh, you, you also might notice um, a couple of our regular music team missing. Uh, from this morning. Uh, John Paul and Murray B. are actually down at Islington Baptist this morning um, and uh, they're, they're basically looking to establish a bit of a connection with Islington Baptist in serving in their, in their music team every so often to bless them as a church as well. So it's just, it just feels like there's a bunch of stuff that's happening at the moment which is worth taking a moment to celebrate, um, to recognize God's goodness to us and His provision in our lives. And there's good stuff coming as well. So it's, um, it's wonderful to be able to, um, I guess, publicly recognize those things and to celebrate them together. Uh, this morning we are continuing in this series called The Fruitful Church. And we're continuing this focus on fruitfulness. Uh, and today we're going to be focusing on the fruitful churches, um, those doing what they're supposed to be doing, those, the, the fruitful church are those who are releasing the gifts and abilities, time and resources of the whole church to the mission of God. Uh, this is the aspect of, of fruitfulness that I want us to be thinking through together today. Uh, the passage that Betty read for us from Ephesians 4, it looks at the gifts given to the church by Jesus. Uh, it's different from uh, the passages, say, in Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12 or in uh, 1 Peter 4 as well, which also talk about spiritual gifts. Um, and in particular, I want us to focus on in Ephesians 4 the implications of why they are given and their implications for the whole church more so than a deep dive into what's a prophet and what's the difference between pastors and teachers and all that sort of stuff. Uh, We we can save that conversation for another time. So if you've got your Bibles there, I encourage you to open up to Ephesians chapter 4 and let's look again at these verses and I want to highlight the all-in nature of the church. So if you have a look with me at verse 7. But to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it to each one of us. Not a special few, not the most righteous among you, to each of us, grace has been given. It's been measured out by Jesus to each of us. This is not the grace of salvation, this is the grace of service. Now, if you think that, uh, you know, you, you read that verse and you think, well, if Jesus measured out different levels of grace, is it possible that perhaps I have been given out, have been distributed a very, very, very small amount of grace? Am I just lowly me? Have I just been given, if Jesus apportioned it out, have I just been given a very small amount of grace? Well, In Ephesians chapter 1, which kind of sets up this whole letter, in verses 7 and 8, in chapter 1 it says this, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Lavished. Lavished grace upon us. So I can tell you that there's no uh, cheap and nasty knock-off type of gifts from Jesus. I don't see how it would be possible for you to have only received a small amount of grace for your contribution to God's kingdom work. We have all received grace. Each one of us has received grace. In chapter 4, after he's uh, reflected on what Jesus has done uh, and the different types of gifts he has given and the people to the church, Paul gives us the reason why. In verse 12, he says, um, in verse 12 of chapter 4, he says, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. He says that these gifts, the prophets, teachers, apostles, um, pastors and teachers have been given to equip his people and this is a, a collective noun uh, for those uh, English buffs which I am not one of um, but it's, it's so it's not just a, a person or a select group of people this is the all people It doesn't say that they're given to equip, you know, the really gifted ones or they've been given to equip the ones who seem to have it all together, that they're the right ones. Or for those who have been a part of the church for decades, they are given to equip his people, all of them, for works of service. So that the body of Christ, the whole, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God. Of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, so early on in this letter, letter we see the, the abundant language. God has lavished grace upon us, He has given gifts for the whole church that we might grow in unity and reach maturity, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Uh, Paul's concern here. And we find it elsewhere in the New Testament as well. But his concern here is that those, uh, that to be involved in faith, it's an all-in proposition. We can't say that once we're saved, that's the end. Job done, because the tasks that Jesus has set for the church is so large, it requires all of us to be all-in. Now, in saying that, I am going to mount a bit of a hobby horse of mine for a few moments, Um, but there is a really important reflection um, when we're talking about and equipping and releasing the whole church and all of us being all in. So um, we need to be a faith community who welcomes children and young people as fellow disciples. They're not the church in waiting. They are the church now. They're not... um, blank slates waiting for us to transmit all the information that they need. They, kids and young people see things and think about God in ways that we actually can't. Kids understand and engage with things of God much more than we think. And are we actually giving them the opportunity to grow up into maturity? Or Do we perhaps think, while we might not articulate it this way, but do our actions reflect that we think that they're the church of the future, um, that we're preparing for them? We're preparing the church for them. They're the church of the future, so they can continue doing doing things the way that we have. Friends, they are just as much part of the church today as any of us, and we ought to treat them that way. And in every way we can, we need to be welcoming them as fellow disciples. You know, we know from God's word, Jesus' command to us to welcome children and to see them as an example and a sign to follow of how to enter into the kingdom. And I think, um, I think for us as a church, I think it starts with knowing them by name, listening to their voice. I think it's more than just it's more than just having ministry for them but also ministry with and from them as well but I'm on the edge of launching into a whole nother sermon. So let me just step back from that edge. Um, And I appreciate you indulging me in that, even though you had no choice whatsoever. Um, But thank you anyway. But it is true. It is true that the task set before us as a church by Jesus is so full and large that it requires all of us to be all in. I've used this example before, But think about when you have watched a movie and the credits roll at the end and they go actually quite fast because they just flick through that whole list of names of people. But do you know what? It can be thousands of people it takes to make 90 minutes of entertainment that's on our big screens one week and relegated to a streaming service the next. If it takes thousands of people to create 90 minutes of entertainment for a fleeting moment... How much more so with the things of God? To see God's kingdom here in our world, in our streets, as it is in heaven. To see justice and peace. To see wholeness and beauty. To see the end of poverty and the reconciliation of people with the natural world and with God and with each other. God's kingdom work is to see every person, in every language, in every culture, hear the good news that God loves them. How many people do you think it's going to take to do all that? Now, thankfully, God is on our side um, and we actively participate with Him, but this is the purpose that we're being invited into by Jesus. And we get a bit of an idea of this work of the church from what Paul says about the church in Ephesians. Um, In chapter 2, he talks about the good works that God has prepared for us in advance to do. Uh, He talks about us being built, built up into a dwelling place for God's spirit to be at work. Um, But in chapter 3, he says what I think is the most remarkable, crazy thing about the church if you've got your Bibles there, flick back to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, which says, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Did you hear that? We, the church, are meant to be a cosmic declaration of the multifaceted wisdom of God in saving people like you and me and changing our lives. A cosmic declaration. A cosmic declaration of God's wisdom. It it just amazes me, right, that that's God's intent. That's His purpose. That's His plan A that we as the church would be this cosmic declaration that no one can fathom in saving people like us and bringing us together. That sounds like a pretty big task to me. So it's something that we are all engaged in. But as I was thinking about this, there seems to me a couple of um, primary obstacles that are just worth mentioning as we think about that all-in big tasks that we have as the church. And these obstacles can mean that we actually reduce the work of God. And we can do that in lots of different ways, um, but one way we can reduce the work of God is to reduce the work of God to the work of the church organization. We can reduce the work of God by just reducing it to the work of the church organization, that in our ministries and in our gatherings is the complete work of God and that's all there is to it. And when you think about it, if that's all there is to it, well, all we need then is a few leaders and volunteers to lead a connect group, teach a scripture class, uh, run a kids program, and the work of God is done. As long as the roster's full, tick, done, we're off the, we're off the hook. Or perhaps we can reduce the work of God to something that just happens with my salvation. So that once I'm saved, once I've said yes to Jesus, well, the work of God is done. Tick, full stop. Now, as good as those things are, we we can't reduce the work of God to only that. As if that's the ultimate goal of God's unfolding plans and purposes. Friends, He has always been about the restoration and the renewal of all things. And we have to keep that that picture in our minds. God wants to restore the world and He's invited us to participate and then He's given us all the gifts that we need to accomplish that. How good. Another way that we can reduce the work of God and be an obstacle to us being all in is the subtle influence of consumerism. I wonder if you've ever really thought about the influence of consumerism and how it impacts the church. I mean, it impacts everything else in our society and our lives, so it would seem logical that it impacts in some way on a faith community. Now, the most obvious one, um, and this is different in different areas, but the most obvious one that might come to mind, and you might have heard this idea of church shopping. You know, it might be when you move to a new area or you decide to look elsewhere for a community of faith for, for whatever reason, and you've been looking around and you have your list, right? You've got your list. Now, we don't say it like this, but we might look around and we might ask, well, how can, how can this church or that church meet my needs and provide me with the religious goods and services that make me feel good? Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with, with seeking out a faith community and making a, a discerned, wise, informed decision about where you want to invest um, in, in, a, in a community of faith, but I think you can see the risk and the link there and the influence of consumerism. So the issue is that it just can't stop there. It can't be the only factor. So we can kind of see that link, right? Church shopping, consumerism, we can see the, can see the, the link there. But what about those who are committed to a faith community? You know, for some of you here, that's, that's been decades of life and faith amongst this body of believers. we are not going church shopping, but I'm pretty sure I'm a consumer. Like, I've been raised in a Western consumeristic society. I'm pretty sure, like I know I lack some self-awareness sometimes, but I'm pretty sure I'm influenced by consumerism. So how does consumerism influence the committed? How does consumerism shape the way we think about being a fruitful church. Well, I once heard this parable by a preacher who was talking about this exact thing. So allow me to share this parable that I heard with you. There were three apple trees. They they were good mates, they hung out in an orchard and uh, at this particular time they were having their last conversation before the winter, you know when everything kind of went quiet until the following spring. And they were reflecting and talking about the year that just was. And the first tree spoke about that, the year in terms of what it had received. It talked about the amount of sunshine that it had taken in, about the amount of, amount and the quality of water that it had sucked up through its roots. It spoke about the number of bees who had chosen to pollinate its blossoms and the quality, the high quality of the pruning that had allowed it to become a fruitful tree. The second tree spoke about the year in slightly different language. This tree didn't focus on what it had received, but it focused on what it had produced. So it spoke about the amount of carbon dioxide it had absorbed and the number of A-grade, cold-quality apples that it had produced, Uh, the percentage of apples that had fallen to the ground uh, because they had become too ripe too soon. It talked about its leaf-to-apple ratio, the amount of apple cider, apple sauce, apple crumble and other apple products that it had managed to produce, the the amount of new growth that it had achieved and, and those sorts of things. The third tree spoke about its year in a different way again. Instead of speaking about what it had received or what it had produced, it began to speak about those who had benefited. It spoke about the number of people who had actually eaten the apples, how many birds had nested in its branches, how many kids had climbed. It spoke about the young lovers who enjoyed the shade and a picnic and then who unfortunately carved their initials in the trunk to mark their time there. These are the three trees. And when you think about fruitful churches and consumerism the first of those examples when we talk about what we get out of something is perhaps the least helpful way consumerism interacts with us, wouldn't you say? Again, there's some value in seeking a church to fulfill some of our needs and those needs of our family. But if that's all we judge a church on, if our only criteria is what I get out of it, well, it's probably not overly helpful. We can also fall into a uh, secondary option, I guess, where we talk about the things that we produce the number of programs, the number of people in those programs, the great ministries that we have or that we want to have, and all the stuff that is happening and all the stuff that we want to happen. And we can also end up still, in a way, focusing on ourselves and the things that we're getting. I think in reality, a church that is truly doing what it's supposed to be doing Focusing on the things that God has called us to will probably focus on the benefit of what we do in the lives of those around us, both amongst this community of faith and in our wider circles of influence. I think think the way that we think about successful churches needs to, to shift to be more about the impact and the benefit that they are having in the lives of those around them and more broadly. You know, we are, we're a successful church if not because we're a successful church, not because we focus on our uh, programs or, and our events, um, that we, the programs and events that we have or the ones that we don't have or we might have, um, the people that we're, are involved or not involved, we're marked as fruitful if there are people around us who benefit. Ultimately, the plan of Jesus is not, to have, is not for churches to have wonderful programs and events. It's for churches to partner with Him in changing the world. It's not enough for us to think about what happens here as the ultimate goal. This is not the end game. Our purpose is not to hold a gathering each Sunday and get more people to sit in these lovely chairs for an hour or so each week and maybe get, get them along to a connect group during the week. This is, this is training. This is practice. This is when we go over the basics again and, and when uh, we get out into the real world where, where the real mission is taking place. You know, when you go out when you go back to your schools and your workplaces and your families and your neighbourhoods, that's, that's where God's transforming and changing lives. I mean, sure, stuff happens here and we are grateful for everything and every way that God blesses us and all the things He does here. But the mission of God we are called to is not here. It's out there. And the whole fruitful church... Is one who is releasing the gifts and abilities, time and resources of the whole church, the whole faith community to the mission of God. And this is why maturing is so important. Paul talks a lot about equipping and maturing because if you and I are going to be involved in the plans and purposes of God to bring restoration to the world, well, we've got to be as ready as we can be. We need to become mature. We need to be those who are learning what it means to be followers of Jesus in order that we might participate as fully as we can. I think there's two questions that we're we're left with. And I think they're connected. On the one hand... We have to ask as a faith community, as a collective, how effective are we at equipping and releasing people into meaningful, significant service and ministry wherever they are? Now, for some of us, that will mean being sent to other churches, other towns, even other countries. For most of us, it's about equipping and releasing each other into our schools, our workplaces, our neighbourhoods, our families. You know, as an example, uh, in our public schools here in Musselbrook, we have an incredible opportunity through SRE to tell kids who might never know otherwise that they are known and loved by the creator of the universe. Incredible opportunity. And there's actually currently a whole lot of opportunity for more people to be trained and to serve as SRE teachers. It's a great opportunity and there's lots of opportunity for us to step into there. But you know what? Those among us, and there's a number of us at Pacific Brook Christian School, you actually have the same opportunity with many uh, many kids and families who would not hear or experience that message otherwise. But you know what? Our kids here, part of this church, they spend 35 hours a week in those schools. So how are we equipping and releasing them into that opportunity to partner with God and His work? Last Sunday, Richard reminded us of some of the examples of us doing the equipping and releasing Uh, And he had a list of people um, that went out from this church in its recent history. But he also, Richard also reminded us that we probably have a ways to go to be doing that as effectively as we can. So as a faith community, how do we equip and release each other more effectively? Remember, this is about the whole church participating fully in the mission of God. This is each, to each one of us, grace has been given. These gifts that Jesus gives to the church are there to equip all of us for ministry and service. This is not just for a select few amongst us. So how do we equip and release each other more effectively? That's the first question. The other question, and as I said, they're connected. The other question is, as you leave today... Are you ready for what God is going to be doing? Because God's doing stuff. He is preparing things. He has gone ahead of us. So the question is, are you ready? Are your eyes open? Are your hearts responsive so that when you see God at work, you will jump in and be ready to go? I think that's the question before us. I mean, think about, think about jobs that wait for the need and respond. Firefighters, they don't go around starting fires to put out. They wait for a fire to be called and then they, they leap into action, right, Phil? <laughs> Ambos, they wait for an emergency call and they drive to the scene and they do what's needed receptionists, they wait for the phone to ring and then they answer it. So the question is, are you ready for when the fire, the emergency or the phone rings? It's the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Are we ready? Because ultimately, fruitfulness for us is wrapped around Participation in God's plan to renew and restore the whole world in Christ Jesus. And friends, while ultimately that is His task, while ultimately it is in the power of the Holy Spirit, and you and I have a wonderful opportunity to participate with God, we still need to ask, are we ready? Individually, Collectively to release are we are we ready wherever we go? And we are are we ready to do that and, and do that more effectively? I pray that we will be a faith community and individuals ready for what God has called us to. It's no secret that we are in a season of change and transition as a church. That doesn't mean we just sit around and wait. Are we ready? How can we get ready to equip and release each other more effectively? So that when you head out to this week, when you head out into the world this week, whether it when you go to school or work or wherever it is, that you will see the opportunities and step into them. That you will see God do something remarkable, changing someone's life, perhaps even your own, as part of His grand plan to restore everything in Jesus. Friends, that's, the, that's what the Bible tells us is God's plan and purpose for each of us and all of us. If changing the world is what God's on about and he's inviting us, it's going to take all of us. Are we ready? How do we equip and release each other more effectively? We're already doing it but how do we do it more effectively? And how do we do that with all of us? No matter our age, our stage, or our background. I'm going to just lead us in a time of prayer. And it'll be um, similar to, I guess, what Matt led us in earlier, a bit of a, um, a, there'll be time to reflect and respond um, privately, individually as well. Um, Because while ultimately we have responsibility and opportunity with each other, we also need to consider for ourselves. Are we ready? And what can we be getting ready for? So I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads and and we're just going to take a few moments um, to focus our hearts and our minds towards God. Who knows what places and names God is placing before you the opportunities for this coming week that he is prompting you in. Heavenly Father, we just we want to thank you for this invitation to participate. To participate in your plans and purposes. To participate with you in the restoration and renewal of everything. Lord, while that seems mammoth and extraordinary, we want to thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who enables us and equips us for that work. Let me take a moment to just reflect on that cosmic declaration that God is making through us and our need for Him and His enabling and equipping as we participate in that. Almighty God, we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears, that you would uh, soften our hearts to see where you are at this, where you are at work this week, and that we would respond. And I pray that as individuals and as a whole faith community, we would be ready. What do you think you're ready for? What do you think we're, as a faith community, getting ready for? Why don't you bring those things before God in your heart and your mind now? Lord God, we are thankful that you have lavished grace upon each of us, equipping us for the good works that you have prepared for us this week. We pray that as we are sent out into whatever part of the world we find ourselves this week, that as we gather again next week, we will have stories and experiences of partnering with you in your world-changing work. We commit ourselves to what you have for us this week and pray that you would be at work in and through each of us by your Holy Spirit In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Next week, we uh, wrap up this little Fruitfulness Church series.